Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode number 40. Glad you could join us. This week, we are delighted to welcome back Dr. Don Prudlow. As you may have heard in episode 39, Professor Prudlow brings a wealth of experience as a teacher and researcher in the world of higher education, and he's able to speak from that standpoint to those who are considering the next steps, namely continued education beyond high school. I'm sure you'll benefit from what he has to say in this episode. And as always, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at colby.org. Enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. And I'm Jordan. After slipping through a thousand cracks, I completed a PhD in history and literature of ancient Christianity at Göttingen University in Germany. Now I teach Greek and Latin at Colby and serve as the Director of Public and Alumni Relations. This week, we bring you the second in our series with Dr. Don Prudlow. Last week, we heard a fantastic conversation on education, formation, and everything that is involved in that. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, definitely go back and check it out. This week, we are taking it on the road to talk about when your students are getting close to looking at colleges, what to do how to do it, looking at colleges, college road trips, interviews, um, meeting professors, all that good stuff. So welcome back, Dr. Prelove. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So we got to talk to your daughter, Monica, earlier in the season, and she spoke very highly of a college road trip that the two of you took when she was trying to decide where to head after graduating from Colby. Could you tell us about that road trip? Yes, and it was with uh, also my son who's at Colby too, so I thought I could get a twofer in. He was about 14 at the time, so maybe he wasn't as interested in in looking at colleges, but he got a taste of it. So I thought that was a good uh, it was a good opportunity. We had I had I was off on a, on a sabbatical that year, and so in uh, September it was September or October. Uh, we decided we were going to visit a number of, particularly the Newman schools uh, that uh, that we were uh, from familiar with. Uh, she'd already, I, I had gone to Christendom, and my wife had gone to Christendom, and so she'd already been there many times. And so she, we were going to go through the center of the country. And uh, so we visited uh, University of Dallas, uh, Baylor. We went to Benedictine, uh, University of Mary in Bismarck. Uh, we went to Notre Dame and to Hillsdale. So we made a big circle tour from our home uh, then in in Alabama. And uh, it took about it took about three weeks, and uh, we just had the best time. We did a, a number of different things. And uh, besides visiting these schools, and I, I must say I had an ulterior motive uh, in this. There were four states in the lower forty eight states I had not been to. Uh, the Dakotas, Nebraska, and Kansas, and so uh, I saw an opportunity to hit those four uh, and to and to see things that that I'd never seen before, uh, and also 
we are very big uh, Green Bay Packers fans, so I surprised the kids at the end of the trip with a Green Bay Packers game uh, in in Detroit. So that was uh, that was part of the part of the fun. And we knew we could do this because of, uh, well, we hoped we could do this because uh, we'd traveled internationally before and done Colby internationally. Both my daughter and my son were in Colby uh, at the time. Uh, Monica was in a number of clubs, such as the Newsletter Club. And we said, you know, I've got all this data saved up from from T-Mobile for the, um, what do they call that, The uh, where you can use your phone as a hotspot. And so we oh, said, yeah. we're just going to do the classes uh, in the car. I'll turn the hotspot on and people can can attend classes from the car or from the hotel or from wherever, wherever we are at that point. And uh, and so we can do it entirely on the road. Uh, and so that's what we did for three weeks. We, we drove around uh, 5000 miles and uh, almost everywhere we were able to have uh, in all that time. I think my son only missed one class because we were in literally the most rural part of South Dakota you could imagine. And uh, uh, I don't think 1G has gotten there yet, much less 5G. So, uh, but other than that, that was the only class he missed over the three weeks. That sounds that so sounds fun and what, what great memories. Yeah, it was it was fun. We couldn't afford a game in Lambeau Field, so we had to go. There's always tickets in Detroit, though, so we were able to go to Detroit. And we got to visit uh, a number of things, historical things from our family, uh, the church in upstate Minnesota, which where my parents or my great grandparents helped build. Uh, we visited the grave sites of many of their families, some of the restaurants that we remembered from Milwaukee and Detroit. Uh, one time uh, they had class during lunchtime. And so uh, they and uh, my, my two kids had class in the street and I went to the restaurant, got the pizza and we we ate the pizza in the car while they were having the class. So we just made it made it work wherever wherever we were. We got to go to, to Mount Rushmore. We got to go to Clear Creek Abbey for the first time uh, when we were here. So uh, we, we, we got, got to do a, a number of amazing things while still doing Colby and also being able to be physically present at all of these colleges, which otherwise would have, you know, you, you might have had to fly to them or, or miss some of them uh, and just visit them virtually. And just those just having a physical presence on a campus that you're considering is really key. You want you want to visit uh, in person. We were talking about Gen X last time. That's me. So now we, lots of virtual visits are available, but seeing there and that makes such a difference. I can tell I can remember thinking I really want to go to this school. And then when I went to visit it, I was like, nope. And then I went to another school that I really wasn't considering, but felt I still needed to apply to. And that was the place for me. So that's I can see the the value in the visiting there. For Gen X, yeah, I found my college from a, a magazine ad. I mean, who does that anymore? Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. it is good to have the websites because you can do thorough research before you get. And so you have the right questions to ask when you arrive for your personal visit. Oh, that leads me right to my next question. So what kinds of questions do you think? Who do we want to seek out? besides the admissions counselor? Well, you, you want to go to the admissions counselor, but remember the admissions counselor is like the is like the used car salesman, right? They're going to give you the, the hard sell. They're going to give you all the best points of the school. They're going to give you the tour of all the shiny new buildings that they have and maybe not the older ones. And so you need to look past that. You need to look past just the tire kicking in the admissions office. And uh, you can go on the campus tour, and I encourage you to go on the campus tour. It's often led by the top students on campus, of course, and they're trained to talk up the, the school as well. But you also want to see, if you're interested in a particular field, ask if you can speak to a professor in that field. Uh, and I many are willing to, to meet with prospective students. We love to meet with prospective students. Uh, I would also wander around the, the cafeteria 
and pick out a random student and a random staff member and just strike up a conversation with them, someone that is totally unrelated to the admissions office, uh, and ask them, what do they like? What do they dislike? What are the challenges of this of this school? And uh, in particular, you want to go to the chapel. You want to go, if it's a Catholic university, you want to go to the chapel. If it's a non-Catholic university, you want to see what the local Catholic community is like. If they have a Newman Center, uh, meet with some of the students, uh, some of the, the faith uh, formators there, meet with the chaplain, hopefully. And if you do all of those things, you've got sort of academic, social, and religious all together, you know, uh, and you can have that sort of glow from the admissions meeting, but then you get to, you know, look under the hood a little bit and see what, how the institution actually works. Oh, I love these ideas and this analogy to the, the car shopping. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's a great suggestion to find people who are just living their day, whatever day they're living. They aren't in on the cell necessarily and to approach them. Do you have any suggestions for striking up a conversation like that? Well, I'm uh, pretty introverted, so I'm not. I may not have the greatest tips for for doing something like that. But uh, if uh, if someone is is sitting there and uh, they're they're in the cafeteria and they've got just, they've got a book open, they're by themselves. Um, just overcome an initial you know worry about that, uh, or ask at the at the Newman Center, right? It might be easier if you if you know someone is a Catholic, if you know someone is, uh, you know, serious about their faith, and you and you strike up a conversation with them, and maybe maybe ask someone there for for their personal tour uh, of campus, if anyone has time to to sit down and show you around, and they might be able to start a conversation, uh, you know, a three way conversation with somebody that, that they know from outside the uh, the admissions circle. I remember when. I was applying to college. I was the first Colby student who they had had in a while. But then the following year, there was another Colby student who applied and they ended up, I was not a campus ambassador or anything like that, but they ended up putting us together because of the Colby background. And so I was at a school that had very few homeschoolers. Since we know the Newman schools tend to have a larger homeschool population, um, it seems like that could be helpful and making those connections too. Definitely. I know, you know, when you look at the the graduation video every year and you see a lot of Colby students, many of them going to the same places. And so there's there's almost, there's a stream, particularly these Newman schools. And so I think hopefully Colby has some sort of way to keep people, uh, you know, talking to, because I knew uh, my daughter knew a Colby person that that is at University of Dallas as well. And so that's that's an initial way to help somebody get acclimated to a campus. You know, they can even communicate with them through, you know, email or something like that before their campus visit. Uh, and even if they're not available to meet, they give them some insight uh, as to the campus. There's also uh, a guide. Uh, it's called um, the ISI Guide, uh, Intercollegiate Studies Institute, that is uh, that it's broader than the Newman Guide. The Newman Guide is small Catholic liberal arts colleges. If you're interested in sort of the campus culture at larger universities, this ISI guide is uh, uh, is a very, uh, is a good, is something good to look at. Uh, because, you know, if you're looking at someplace like Baylor or someplace like Tulsa, uh, they're not going to be in the Newman guide, but you may be interested in a professional school there. And so you can look at this ISI guide, which has, you know, several hundred schools uh, rated on uh, a scale of, you know, whether people read the classics, whether they do great books, whether they uh, have friendly professors to religious students, think, things like that. That sounds great. That really sounds great. I'm introverted like you. And I remember when I was 
looking at colleges, I was excited, but definitely nervous about going from kind of knowing my atmosphere into a school that was a lot bigger. And I ended up going to a school of about um, three to 5,000 people. I actually, I told Bonnie, I was going to tell this story. I went to visit the large public university that she went to, and I had the worst timing. I arrived right at class change when the sidewalks were completely flooded. (laughs) There were people riding their bikes to get across the, the campus. That's like half of the town where it occupies and I said nope can't can't go from homeschooling to this um awesome for people who can I can't so I guess as a dad and as a professor and whether those overlap or whether you speak differently wearing each hat kind of what would you say to homeschoolers like me who were thinking I'm excited to go to college but wow this is going to be a huge change in in my environment. The first thing they need to know is that if you graduate from Colby, you're going to be better prepared than 99% of the students that are entering. So in terms of academic study skills, in terms of content, in terms of the ability to write and speak and think, you are already well prepared. You talk about Colby, Colby is a college prep school and that they mean it. And so I would feel, I would, I would, you know, tell myself that first. It's that, you know, I've got sort of a leg up academically. is this going to be a place that has uh, people that are like-minded? All right. Is it going to be, if it's a Catholic place, uh, do they have uh, room for the particular spirituality that I like? Uh, if you like adoration, do they have adoration? Uh, if you like music, do they have a, a choir that you can join? Um, if you like uh, activities, right? I mean, do they have the kind of activities, plays, musical performances, uh, things that would attract you? And if the more that you research, the more comfortable you're going to get uh, with doing things like that, particularly if you if you send a, a, you can send an email, you should send an email to the admissions department, but if you're interested in history, if you're interested in uh, languages or something, go to the department website and find a professor who looks interesting and, and send them an email and, and ask them about that. Ask them what they think of the school. Uh, what uh, uh, you know, The more you make personal contact, you can go to campus and you can have people there that you know already. And that gives you a foothold into the community uh, that enables you, to, uh, enables you to expand out from there. And so the more research you do and the more personal contacts you make, the more comfortable you're gonna be. But I would say on the front end, just know academically you're going to be prepared. And that's that's a big step right there. Oh, yeah, I can see that definitely being a source of reassurance, knowing that going into this whole new environment and that makes a lot of space to get a handle on all the other new things and the immensity of them would probably be much more manageable to approach, I think, knowing that this large aspect of academics is already well in hand. So, yeah, you were speaking last in our last episode about cultivating relationships, students approaching professors and visiting with them outside of class. Here, it starts before that even, even if those students end up not in, in those classes with those professors, but it's almost like practice for that as well. I love having students, uh, prospective students will come and they'll sit in my classes. 
and I try to to engage them a little bit. That can be a little intimidating, but you know, I, if if I show that this is a place where you are going to have a voice and your voice is going to be uh, is going to be appreciated according to the content uh, and and the contribution that you bring to class. I mean, that's that's really exciting for for academically inclined students. That 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 this is a place, uh, and this is the thing. It's not so much a case with Colby or with with homeschools, but for some of these smart kids coming from public schools, they've never really been challenged before. They've just sort of been able to skate through. They have haven't had the kind of, and when they start to get intellectually stimulated, I mean, it's really, it's a privileging uh, experience for them. I mean, it's it's really great. I mean, that, that that if students know that it's not going to be like what they think, uh, you know, just high school is, it's not, you know, a popularity contest, it's not, you know, all of these uh, cliques and stuff like that, that this is, you're doing something serious here. And the academics is going to come first. The social stuff is going to come later, but it's not going to be as petty and time consuming as, as, as high school can be, which is one of the great things that Colby liberates people from, from those uh, really unnecessary experiences in, in teenage years. Definitely, definitely. We've had a couple of alumni on episodes recently who have talked about how with Colby, they can be in different friend groups with their swimming friend group or their music friend group or whatever, and they can move in between them rather than being, I am a football player and that is my identity. And so I love the idea of looking at the different resources on campus that you mentioned that if you like to go to plays, look at the plays or different things. Um, how do you go about finding, you mentioned a little bit on the previous episode, how do you go about finding out some of those fun campus traditions? Well, one of those, one of the things to do is, and this is a really easy thing to do, even if you are an introvert, keep an eye out on the bulletin boards of places you you go to, because college students really love you know, putting flyers up. And that'll give you an idea of what's going on on campus. What what are interesting? What's weird? What's strange? Uh, you might find some red flags when you look at the at the bulletin board, but it also can alert you to uh, to interesting things that uh, that is going to uh, is going to enhance your your collegiate life because there's so many opportunities. There's so many cultural uh, opportunities, travel opportunities, study abroad. It's it's really exciting uh, for for a person uh, to have these kind of experiences for the first time. And uh, so, so keep your eyes and ears open and you're going to learn about these, uh, about these things. In terms of college traditions, that's when you wanna to start to, to talk to people. Uh, you know, whether, you know, the college might have a tradition of a homecoming bonfire uh, or they have, you know, uh, various dances that they, that they do uh, or, you know, uh, stranger things that, that we don't need to go into. But uh, uh, those are all, binds people together in a community by having these kind of uh, rituals and events. Uh, and for instance, colleges have actually done a, a good job in recent years of eliminating hazing culture. So students don't have to worry about that uh, as much anymore. Uh, but uh, the fun traditions have continued. Uh, and so that's that's a good development, I think, in, in college life. That would be. My college had the tradition of a bell that you absolutely could not ring until you had finished your last final otherwise you would yes. not graduate and so what it was happen? always what would happen <laughs> no if one... someone tried to ring the... no one even tried <laughs> no one even tried everyone was scared too okay tried. there was one yeah. there was one year in there was one class in my junior year where we were studying Thoreau's Walden and so we got sent out to do nature journaling and the professor who was very 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 tall um this professor went over and decided to call us back from our nature journaling by 
ringing the bell and he was a professor. He was not a student. And all of us juniors were still like, oh, you ring the bell. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I've got my PhD. (laughs) I also find that um, that that homeschool students and, you know, you all know this uh, Colby students this th- there's this myth that homeschool students are, are socially stunted and everything like this uh, and it's absolutely the opposite i find it's the the public school students that are uh, often socially dysfunctional uh, and have to learn to navigate college i find colby and and homeschool students to integrate very very easily do you have a number of homeschool students now students I, yes the number is increasing every year uh it's really amazing and they're the ones that can write the best and they they speak the clearest and they're they're really good students and they they speak to me as if you know they they know how to talk to adults it's amazing that's awesome <laughs> have you seen with colby students who are used to being very challenged like you mentioned that being different than some of the public schoolers have you seen homeschoolers almost overcomplicate things when they get to college because they're used to Colby's rigor and then they get this kind of disparity with people who have an opposite background. I know I can be way too harsh on myself or um, different things like that where I think, am I doing enough? And I went to office hours one time and in college completely worried about something and the professor said, you're one of the students who doesn't need to come to office hours, but does. And I'm more worried about the students who do need to come to office hours and aren't. So I think going, I loved what you said about reassuring yourself if you're a Colby student looking at college soon that you can handle it. But I don't know, any tips for like calming down those of us who tend to overthink our um, academic performance? The family trait. That's uh, that's exactly what I've noticed too. I had had a girl... Uh, we had four papers in class. She was homeschooled, and she came to my my office hours in a you know just in a tizzy because she got an 88 on the first paper, and then she proceeded to get a 92, a 95, and a 97. And I still saw her after every single you know what what did I do? How can I learn? How can I do better? And I, it was really great because she continued to improve. But you also have to have to take it easy on yourself uh, a little bit, uh, that this that this is a time, a special, a really special time in your life. You have these four years where uh, you are largely free from external obligation, from obligations, most people, uh, from you know having to have a full-time job, uh, having to have a family, be married, and all these things. And so you have to take time for yourself to let these things sink in, to, to to, to be and to learn who you are. I mean, this is the great thing. You, you grow into your own personality really during these four years in college and you have to, uh, and you have to allow that to happen and you have to, and you have to be kind. I mean, I, sometimes these are buzzwords, but you have to be kind to yourself, right? You have to know that not everything is going to be, uh, you know, absolutely perfect, that some classes are going to be harder than others. Uh, and that, you know, that, that just because you get a bad grade doesn't mean that you personally are, are a failure. You may have gotten a bad grade because the professor knows that you can do better uh, and and can challenge yourself to to do this. And so constantly take time, make time for for spiritual uh, growth, for spiritual reading, make time for alone time, make time for social time, uh, and just uh, and go to a basketball game every every once in a while. I mean, it's uh, experience the full panoply. And sometimes because some and this is this is what I'll do. Uh, I all when I write, uh, I always finish uh, before I'm I'm done writing. When I have more to say, 
And so I, I finish and I, and I say, I could, I could write another two pages, but I'm not going to do that because that'll give you a head start on writing tomorrow. I'm going to go take a walk and do something else. And if you, and if you do things in such a way that you can uh, give yourself extra time, I call it, I call it marinating. Uh, so I'll get a topic, I'll get a paper topic, and uh, I don't want to start on it right away. I'm just going to roll it around in my head for a couple days or a week or so. And so I let it marinate. And uh, it turns out that, that thoughts, just like food, is a lot better after you marinate it for a while. Uh, and so don't, don't put all that pressure on the front end on yourself. Get things done. Uh, have a schedule. Uh, but, but don't be so rigorous that you, that you forget to be a human. You're not, you're not a walking brain. You're a, you're a human person. And so all of the aspects of uh, a true human life need to be fulfilled uh, in college. And that's where you learn to do it. That's when you should be learning to do it. I visited Thomas Aquinas College in Ojai, California, and I didn't end up going there, but I was so struck by the students. They have this beautiful California mission architecture. And when I visited there, there were just students hanging out outside around the beautiful architecture with the California weather. And so I ended up, I went to a different school, but I found an outdoor location and an indoor location where I wanted to hang out. And there was a very large tree in front of the all-girls dorm where I lived. And so I would spread out a blanket and do homework outside if it was possible. Find these places, these places of beauty. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we have beautiful college campuses. It's it's for a place of, of contemplation and a place of social activity too. I mean, it's there. Yeah, the, the study rooms would just help with focus so much and feel like, oh, I'm physically entering into this tradition as well as intellectually entering into it. So I'm a, I'm because a we're fan. human persons, right? I mean, that's, that's what we need. The university of Mary has this beautiful library. It's, it's all a window on the side and it overlooks the Mississippi river and looks out to the West. And it's just a place where I could just spend hours just, just sitting there and reading and you look up uh, every now and then. Uh, but you know, Students today especially have to learn to find a place to disconnect, right, from from all this electronic uh, things that they have, uh, not to be, because that, that's the problem. I see students, they're walking, you know, next to each other on looking at their phones, and they're not, they're missing that kind of real genuine human interaction that the campus gives them. And that's, that's what I look forward to for the Colby students so much, is to actually have this kind of physical interaction. Uh, that's the that's the one thing that they that they don't get at Colby, and they're going to get it in their college experience, and I think they're ready for it. You said you took your trip in September, right? Is that yes. Right? So and it was a few weeks. So you had good weather for the most part. I was we just did. thinking about the weather in some of those northern. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, it did snow on us once uh, in <laughs> late in late September in, in Minnesota, but other than that, it was beautiful fall weather. Uh, it was just it's a great time to visit. It's it's sort of before the 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 season of uh, of college visits starts. If you can go early in the year, uh, people aren't as overburdened with work uh, yet. Uh, they're more willing to talk. They have more time, professors and students alike. So if you can go early, uh, preferably early fall, but early spring is also you know an option. Most colleges like to take applications early. So if you can go early fall, you should start looking by your sophomore year and then have have a tri some trips planned for junior year. And that's a good a, a good tip on the timing. It's after the semester has gotten underway, so it's not a, not the newness of getting the semester off the ground, but right. it's not close enough to finals or breaks or things like that that people are exactly particularly focused on that. Okay, that's a good good thing to know.
what are your, what are some ways to discern what sort of school is best? Thinking about Catholic versus secular school or a big camp, a large campus or a small one, or I think it seems pretty consistent that schools want students to live on campus at least their first year or, or making that decision to live off campus. What do you see are some ways to sort through these decisions? Well, I definitely think students should live on campus for for a year or two, you know, before they do their own before they do their own thing. It helps to structure their time, to structure their space a little bit better, uh, and get away from home, which is you know a, a useful thing. But uh, you know, it's it's different for different people, and uh, they should also make sure. I mean, coming from the Colby tradition, that wherever they go, secular or, or Catholic school, that there is a serious Catholic presence that they can be a part of even if it's a good parish that's near, uh, hopefully within walking distance, uh, or if there's a good Newman Center, uh, or if it's a Catholic university. And uh, if you go to a bigger Catholic university like like Notre Dame, uh, make sure that you find uh, you know solid Catholic uh, people. And, and there are, there are many, many good, good things happening at, at Notre Dame or Catholic University of America. Uh, where you can find uh, good, authentically Catholic stuff that's that, that's happening. So uh, if you have that spiritual foundation set, then you can begin to expand and look at what kind of programs you're interested in. Uh, I I'm really opposed to people, you know, thinking they have to declare their major before they even set foot on campus. I really dislike that tendency. But with the professionalization, you, you, people are, are really thinking about that. You should be able to, if you don't have a, go to a school with a core like some, like many of the Newman schools. Uh, hopefully, there's something like the honors program uh, at TU that can expose you to a broad range uh, of different things because you may go in thinking you're going to do accounting and you may come out deciding that you want to be a botanist or a philosopher. That's what college should be for. I mean, that's that's uh, and and you shouldn't put the blinders on so early that you miss those great opportunities. Uh, some of the greatest meetings uh, that I've attended to were or classes were classes that were far out of my field. Uh, and I learned an incredible amount. I, I was accidentally at University of Virginia, a TA, uh, even though I did medieval studies, uh, I was a TA for a Buddhism class because they needed someone. I didn't know anything about it. And so I learned it along with the students and it was a fantastic class. Uh, I won't say you will learn something from every professor. I, I can point out one or two that, that I didn't learn very much from at all, but you will learn something from almost everyone. And you can learn something from almost everyone. And so not only take advantage of the cultural activities on campus, but go outside your field, take a class in, in romantic poetry or take a class in Jane Austen or, or, so, or something like that. Even if you're, you want to be an engineer, it helps to make you a more rounded person and gives you a better exposure and, and a greater humanity when you, when you do these sorts of things. So you want to look out for professional programs that might interest you, but also be open to that that formative experience, that that holistic formative experience. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. The joke goes sometimes when people enter with a lot of, um, whether it's AP credit or clepping out of classes or anything like that, the joke goes about being a sophomore by credit hours and everybody, all the students give those people a hard time. And um, because I think that gets to the deeper truth of like, until you've lived the experience of being on a college campus, even if you're academically ahead, that these years are formative. Like you said, you're developing and discovering your personality. And I think sometimes we don't talk about that enough in Catholic circles because we get nervous at the whole idea of like, discover yourself. But it really is true that everybody is uniquely designed and that college is this opportunity to 
learn a lot more about your own gifts and your own talents and put them in context of civilization and society and things like that. And so I know um, some people are in a great rush to finish their degree and get out into the workforce, whereas others are kind of just there for the few years. And I, I know my school charged the same amount of tuition for full-time enrollment anywhere between 12 and 18 credit hours for a semester. And so that worked out well because there was some flexibility of how many classes you took so that you could have time to do other things as well and stay academically rigorous. But I think that that also gave us room. I took a history of pirates class, which was very interesting. (laughs) Um, Went all the way back to, you know, Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum pirates. And then we had to do a final presentation and I did it on fashion piracy, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> it's completely outside of my field. But <laughs> I think having schools that have that structure where you can take more or fewer classes can help encourage that just I'm here. This is a whole person experience as opposed to I'm paying for each credit hour. And so I need to pay for this hour to get this part of my degree to be able to get out at this time. So I, I, yeah, just to, just for some, for parents, just a couple of things to, to note. Don't, don't be frightened off by what I call the top line number, right? You'll see these exorbitant costs for, for college and, and no one pays that number. Uh, there's always going to be financial aid. There's always going to be scholarships. There's always going to be grants. Uh, and so don't get, don't get frightened off by that. Also, like Hope said, Uh, If you have 18 credit hours included, go ahead and sign up for 18 credit hours of classes. There's a drop period where if you find you don't like the class, you simply drop that. uh, Or if you're not, don't think you do well. So there's that possibility. I also want parents to, you know, take a step back. Of course, they're interested in, uh, you know, bang for the buck. And uh, is their child going to get a a good job? And they should be concerned about those things. but, But I'd ask them, to, to take the focus back a little bit, think about, you know, it's important what your child does, but that college is supposed to be a period of, of human formation, holistic formation, who your child is going to be as well. Uh, and so it's okay if they take some philosophy classes, it's okay if they take some religion classes, it's okay if they take some history classes, even if that doesn't lead directly to some sort of monetary benefit. And I think that the fact that they're at Colby already, they know that, and they know the importance of things like that. But I know people can get you know, anxious uh, in you know, given economic conditions and, and things like that. Uh, and so look at look at colleges that that take those things seriously, that take the formation of the whole person seriously, that take the great text seriously, that have programs uh, that are that are spiritually serious places, uh, because all of these are, are are very very critical to these years, and, and it's it is nervous from a parent's perspective, right? I mean, you've you've been with them for 18 years, and now they're going off, uh, and they're they're becoming their own person. Uh, they're making decisions, new decisions. They're having new challenges that we can't always help them directly with. And this is this is an absolutely critical uh, point uh, for their maturation uh, and uh, and something that I think the Gen Zs are 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 excelling at. They're approaching it in a in a good way. So uh, I think that's that's a great thing. I'm glad you spoke up to the parents on these things to keep in mind. I was going to ask you your thoughts on how we as parents can support our students through their through the discernment of this process. And you spoke right to that, so you anticipated that, thank you. I also wondered if you guys on your trip, when you hit the open road, if you would have 
confabs or hope likes to use the word debriefing uh, after your visits. Um, when you would visit a school, if you as you were driving to the next one or at the end of the day or whatever, would you go through a number of what you like about this or what stood out to you or anything, any kind of anything like that? Yeah, we like to have it, you know, sort of informally. So you wait till you get to, to dinner and you have a hamburger and you can start talking about various things. Uh, you know, what, what we like to start out with was, uh, was there anything funny that happened or did you have any funny conversations or they say something funny? And I know that um, the, one of the things that struck me, Hillsdale College has a library with three levels and they, they called them the Paradiso, the Purgatorio and the Inferno was the bottom level of the library. And so <laughs> we thought that that was that was great. But all of the colleges we visited had had funny stories like that. And then we got into more serious things about topics and what we liked or disliked about about them. So we did do that sort of debriefing thing. But we like to have and have it because it might come up, you know, the next day, you know, driving uh, on the highway, you know, uh, at two o'clock in the afternoon. So if, if it came up, then sometimes it takes time to digest these things. You can't you can't it's like you have to let them marinate again. Uh, you can't always you have to assess your impressions a little bit before you can vocalize them uh, in a useful way. I tend to think of things way after. Oh. They kind of rise to the surface out of the abyss. Yep. Here they are. This occurs to me however much later. <laughs> so I would think that would be an advantage to the road trip, that there would be time for that. When I was in Colby High School, we had several Joseph Pierce talks to listen to, and we found that the best time to listen to them was when we were driving because there was enough visual interest to keep us engaged, but there was enough room to really process that. So I could see the windshield time of, going from school to school being the best time for that marinating and the, we call it uh, staircase wit. Um, I get it too, where it shows up. <laughs> I think it's originally a French term, l'esprit d'escalier, of the things that show up way after you need them. But then on the funny stories, I was just going to ask, does Benedictine still make the freshmen wear beanies and have the older students try to steal yes. beanies? At least for the first week or two. I thought that was so cool. My, uh, my daughter didn't think that that was that great. I thought it was fantastic. Well, a friend of mine met her husband when he stole her freshman beanie. So There you go. <laughs> exactly. But uh, you call those, what do you call those from the, the Julius Caesar book, the asparagus moments or something, I think? What, yes. Is that? Yeah, the, the asparagus. So there's like, and, and we interspersed the visits. So we, we went from University of Dallas to Clear Creek Abbey to Benedictine to Mount Rushmore, Waldog, and then to University of Mary. And so you'd intersperse them with these different things that led to different conversations about American history, about mon monasticism, about all these different things. It was it was really neat. And that speaks right to what Therese, your wife, who teaches for Colby, was talking to us on, on the episode where, where she was visiting about living history and experiencing history, how you've worked it in is an ideal example of that. Well, so we would Sounds live like in, uh, you know, Germany uh, while the kids were taking European history at Colby. And so we'd be going to some of these places that they were talking about in their classes. And so that's just, it's fantastic to, to, to pair that up. Yeah, wow. Well, what a wonderful treasure of memories. Just the whole experience, I would think, down the road. That will, and pardon the pun, <laughs> I will try to know that one too. And that so many great... good lessons learned. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see how many stick. That's that's always the key. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so helpful, Dr. Pudlow, and what a fun conversation. It's really been a joy visiting with you. It has been really you. fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's uh, great questions, great conversation. We so appreciate it. And thanks to both of you for doing this. Uh, we, we really appreciate what you do for Colby. Thanks.
Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.